0: The joyful part in our baptisms is we get to hear the unique work of God and the unique individuals in our congregation. And so I want to encourage you as you listen to those two stories to ask yourself do you have a story? A point in time where you recognized that you were guilty before God because of your sin and that you trusted in Jesus to be your Savior. Uh, these Baptism waters don't save a person. They reflect an internal reality of what has already happened when faith occurred, that they were identified with Christ in death, burial, and resurrection. So, it's a story that we never grow tired of telling and retelling. I don't usually wear a t-shirt on Sunday morning, nor one that says the sarcastic comment of a typical teenager of whatever. (coughs) Whatever. But you will know if you've been here through the recent months that we have been in a series of By Faith Whatever. And so actually back in June when we first started this series, this was a gift that showed up on my desk one day of, and I thought, well, that's kind of cool. And so um, as we close the series this morning, really want it to be our emblem, not the cynical whatever, but the open-handed, trusting Expression to your heavenly Father, whatever. It's the open handedness, Lord, whatever. Because sometimes, as our logo all along has demonstrated, sometimes the next step really is a, a step we don't get, we don't understand. Things have happened in your life since June that you would have never predicted. The question has been, not did you see it coming, not have you figured out why, but have you by faith said, Lord, whatever. We are finishing the series in chapter 12, even though it's been a series in chapter 11, because chapter 12 begins with this word, therefore. In other words, he is going to say in these opening verses to chapter 12, a Therefore, for everything that chapter 11 held. So let me give you a big picture. The end of Hebrews 10 dealt with folks who were suffering and losing property for the sake of the gospel. And the writer was concerned that in that suffering and loss, they would lose confidence in God. And so he says to them, Let's not be people who lose confidence. Let's not be people who shrink back, but who endure in our faith. And then chapter 11, by faith. And there was true account after true account after true account of men and women who, by faith, trusted God, whatever the unique circumstances that God placed them in. Now, the conversation is turning in chapter 12 to us. So, it was Hebrews 10 people of suffering, Hebrews 11 those who trusted in the face of suffering. Now to us. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us. That's the Hebrews 11, folks. Let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us. There's a this is the therefore for all of Hebrews 11. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So the text is indicating that we are called now to live by faith in how we run. So do you like to run? Run. Yeah, news. Uh, Any of you like to run? Some of you, I'm sure, like to run. Wow, not many in third hour like to run. Uh, I used to like to run, and then I actually got a car, and I thought, why would I run anymore? I ran a lot as a kid because I couldn't drive, but then I got a car. and I was, So I like to run after a little green tennis ball. That's fun. But to literally leave my house and just run down the road and turn around and run back, the whole time I do that, I'm thinking... Why am I doing this? I'm tired. I hate this. Never do this again. And so I generally don't. I don't like to run. But here's the good news. This is not a text that's saying, hey, the holidays are coming. You better get your exercise. This is an analogy of something that most of us understand running applied to something far more abstract, the Christian life, our life our relationship with God. And so, just to make sure we get the big picture, By Faith Let Us Run, it's an analogy where our relationship with God is like not just a race, but a long race. So, we're thinking in pictures here. Think of a long race, that's our relationship with God. And the text says there's three keys to running this long race with which is, again, living out the relationship. Just want to make sure you get the analogy right. We're talking about how do we live now by faith ourselves with, the text says, endurance, meaning the race that we are called to run spiritually, this living out of our relationship with God, we are to live until we die. That faith would not stop before breath. So how do you run or say the spiritual reality it's demonstrating, how do you live a lifelong enduring relationship with Jesus based on the principles of running? So, three keys. I'm going to read the text to us again. You look for... What are the realities in running that are important for us to apply spiritually to our relationship with God? Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who... And now pause for a moment. Now he's going to reference Jesus' race. He's taking the picture and he's going, all right, fix your eyes on Jesus, and now he's going to talk about his race, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Why did he sit down? Because he was finished. He had finished his race through death on the cross. So that's, the example of Jesus. So if we're going to run with endurance, that is live out our faith, applying the principles of running, then there's three keys. First, he says, listen to the witnesses. Second, and these are the big points on your message memo. If you're filling them in, we'll come back and fill in the sub points. Big points. Listen to the witnesses. Second, lay aside relationship inhibitors. And third, look at Jesus. All right, very simple in the text. Listen, lay aside, look. Those are the keys to good running. Those are the keys to an enduring faith in your relationship with Christ. So he's using an, a, a visual that I thought, why just imagine when you could actually see it? So I'm going to invite our director of communications. This is TJ King, and he is going to be our example this morning of Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. So he gets, because the gift was two shirts, he gets to wear a whatever, because if you're going to Have faith that endures, it has to be a faith whatever. Now, the text says that effective, lifelong relationship with Christ is built first on, there is a a listening issue there, so he will listen, but it's just not listening, there is a, I'll let him put that in there, there's a laying aside, and then there is things that need to... Lay aside. Oh, wow, you're getting me back. Yeah. <laughs> there's a, a lane. Of, Hang on, I'm tangled up. Uh oh. All right, there's a listening, there's a laying aside. There's more to lay aside there, right? But it wasn't just laying aside those, there was an entanglement as well. And so there's this in the text. Again, I'm not making this up. This is exactly what the text says, right? Well, kind of. And he's not just encumbered and tangled. There's a looking element as well. So there's a blind. All right. This is your runner. You wouldn't look at him and go, wow, there's a runner, would you? You would think there's that's anything but a runner. You with me? But see, the text is indicating, and, he, and here's my prayer for us this morning: that as we unveil the text and see really visually what the writer is saying, that there's going to be a moment at some point this morning that you're going to go, in terms of your relationship with God, you're going to go, oh, that's me. See. This is, according to the text, the way people often try to run without listening, looking, or laying aside. So, if TJ showed up like this to the Gate River Run, and you saw him and you thought, oh, he goes to my church, I should help that guy, help him be able to run the race. What's the first thing? If you could only do one thing for him, what would you do? You would take off here? You would take off the blindfold? He needs to run, not see. Or maybe he can't see where to run. So which is, does he need this or this off? Oh, I know both, but which first? Thank you. As you debate, (laughs) Corinthians says, (laughs) "Get a little tired there, TJ? He has done this at 8 o'clock and 9.30, and now 11. Corinthians says, our gospel is veiled. It is veiled to those who are perishing, in whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. See, actually, though we would normally think, oh man, we got to untie him, that's not the first need. The first need, both running and the first need spiritually, is for our blind eyes for God to turn the lights on, for us to be able to see. That seems counterintuitive, but it's like trying to learn to play tennis. People think in tennis it's all about the stroke. It's not. It's first about setting the feet. And then if you set your feet right, then you can stroke. But if you don't have your feet set right, you won't be able to hit well. This actually, because can you move? Don't move very far, okay? He could. It would be the slowest Gate River run history in history. But he could do it. Tied up, except with this, what would happen? He'd end up in the river right don't miss the analogy folks our world our community jacksonville your neighborhood your workplace is filled with people who are attempting to live out relationship with god exactly like this they're just trying to be better people better husbands better fathers better neighbors good citizens And a relationship with God begins when? When the blinders come off. So, here's, don't miss this. The question is, very first question in this race is, have your eyes been opened to the truth of the gospel? Have you been born again? Or are you trying to run blind? Hey, this doesn't make for good running yet, but this is the first step. The point of the text is when we say we look at Jesus, it says you look at Jesus. Did you notice this? Because he is the author of our faith. In other words, relationship with God can only begin through faith in Jesus, There is no other way to begin relationship with God. In the analogy, there is no other way to begin the race than through faith in Christ where the blinders come off and we are born again. We were spiritually blind and now we can see. So is he better prepared to run now? Yes, he is. He's still not going to run well, but until this point, he can't run at all. Don't miss the point for you you got to ask yourself, not am I a better person, not am I going to church, not am I praying more, not am I reading my Bible more. you got to ask yourself, have I ever been born again? Have my spiritual blinders ever been taken off through faith in Jesus so that I am a new person in Christ? That's where running begins. You with me? You see, the text goes on. Fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter. Of our faith. So he not only begins the relationship, he is perfecter as well. In other words, he finished his race without stumbling. In the analogy, that means he lived out his relationship with God without sinning. He never sinned. And his promise to those who have been born again, whose blinders have been taken off, is this that he who began a good work in you. This being removed is the good work that he began in you. It was his doing. He began it. What's the promise? He will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. He will continue to be at, working, at work in you so that what he started would continue. So you begin a relationship with Christ with God through faith in Jesus and you live in relationship with God through faith in Jesus. He is author and he is perfecter of our faith. Verse who said, fixing her eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, and then look at again his race. Who, for the joy set before him, see he's running his own race, and there is a joy before him that caused him to endure the cross, recognizing the shame but despising it, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So he is our author, he is our perfecter, and he is our example of running With endurance. And his example before us is that he overlooked, not overlooked, he looked past the painful, which for him was what? The cross. Some of you have pain right now in your race. What's it doing to you? Is it causing you to stop? Can't do this. Look to Jesus, the author, perfecter, and example. He he looked past the painful, recognized, yes, it's painful, but it's temporary. And what did he see? He saw the joyful that was eternal. Well, don't miss this because every single one of our races will include hardship, pain, suffering, sorrow, grief, difficulty. And in that race, you and I will be tempted to stop. Too hard. Not worth it. Look to Jesus who, chin up past the immediate, painful, temporary to the joyful, eternal future. That's what Jesus did. He saw a cross and despised the shame because what did he see beyond the cross? What did it say? (laughs) The eternal joy of the right hand of the Father. See, that's, that's what you and I need often. We get so bogged down in the here and now we lose our way on the race, and we need to have our eyes lifted up like Jesus was, not, not denying that there is hard, but that there is something greater and eternal beyond the temporary hard that's in your path right now. He's our example. Author, perfector, example. So, when we're born again, we look to Jesus to give us life with God, and we look to him to continue that work, and we look to him to see how we can continue even when it's hard. Now, he's more prepared to run, but would you rather do more than try to run right now, or would you like to try and take a lap? No, he would not like to try. But listen, again, you got to see yourself. This is, this is what a Christian, some Christians look like right here. You understand what I'm saying? born again but trying to run with all this there is a looking that we do and then there is a, a laying aside of what we'd simply call relationship inhibitors and i call them relationship inhibitors because the text identifies two of them let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us. So there is two running inhibitors here. There's an entanglement and there's an encumbrance. There's this tie and then there is this weight. Which is the greatest encumbrance to TJ running? The tie here. Sure, he could put all that weight down, but he would still only go like this. If he got this off, it'd be hard. I don't think he could run the Gate River Run but he could run better. So if you're going to say, hey, first, look to Jesus. Second, lay aside. The most important issue is the entangling sin. That, that's what's represented there, wrapped around his ankles, the entangling sin. And let me, let's be specific, not just general. In Galatians 5, Paul gives a similar idea, walking instead of running, but this whole idea of staying in step with Jesus. He says there, walk by the spirit and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. Four, the flesh sets its desire against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. Look up here for a moment. When a person is blind to the gospel and God graciously opens their eyes, they are born again to now walk, to run. But there are patterns and practices in our lives that compete against who we've been made now to be in Christ. Made to run, but there are practices that are in opposition to running. That's what the text says. For these are in opposition to one another. This is in opposition to who he has been made to be. Are you with me? So, what are they? Not just general. Galatians 5 names 15. But don't just look at a big list and say, yes, sin entangles me. Listen, there is, for almost all of us, one sin that easily entangles us. Don't just think, "Ah, sin trips me up. I agree. Which one? Is it immorality? Is that what regularly trips you up in your walk, whether it's real or virtual? Is it immorality? Is it impurity? Is it sensuality? Is it idolatry, sorcery, or enmity? Is it strife? Is it jealousy? Outburst of anger? I pause here because we recently looked at what we take in through the Hope Center, our counseling ministry, Over 40% of the people who are getting tripped up, right here, anger issues. So in other words, what's happening? Husbands, wives, mothers, fathers, they're trying to live out their relationship with God in the home. And what's constantly happening is they make a little headway and then there's explosions of anger. And explosions of anger look like when you, Dad pull out the sword called your mouth, and you start cutting and slicing your family and making them bleed by your words. Or another picture, an outburst of anger. It's like you come home upset about something at work, and somebody just pushes you over the head, and you pull out a hand grenade, and you drop it into the house, and there's this outburst of anger. I'm not describing something unique. I'm describing what 40% of the folks who come through our counseling ministry are experiencing. They're experiencing hand grenades that are blowing up the people around them. See, that, your rope might be, might literally be outburst of anger. Or maybe it's, Greed, or maybe it's pornography, or maybe it's dissensions, or factions, or envy, or maybe it's drunkenness, or some abuse of some other drug that's blowing up your family. It's, it's you're born again. You just can't make any headway because of sin that consistently trips you up. You with me? So what do you do with that? Well, you know, I'm just always that way. No, listen, the power of the gospel is that you are not only born again so that you might be forgiven and not be under the wrath of God, but obtain eternal life with God in heaven. When you are born again, you are also made a new person so that you and I no longer have to be slaves of sin. When we are born again, there is the absolute opportunity for enslaving sin to be removed in our lives. But some of you are trying to run, trying to live, and you've just went, oh, this is just who I am. This is not who you are in Christ. Please, don't live in the convenience of, well, you know, sin just keeps messing me up. No, stop, name it, what is it? And then confess it. Take it to the Lord specifically. Take it to another runner, another believer in Christ, who you would say, this is continually ruining my walk with Christ. It doesn't have to continue to be entangled. Now, is he more free to run? Yes. First step, blinders off. Have you been born again? Second step, entangling sin removed. Are you still a slave, not to sin in general, but to a sin specific that you need to address? You with me? Now, would you like to go take a run now? No. <laughs> He'd just like to be done. That's what he <laughs> Why not? Well, because there is not only entangling sin, there is encumbering weight. And weight slows a runner down, correct? Yes. You look at marathoners, what do you immediately see? <laughs> Some super skinny folks, because they're going, hey, that extra 10 pounds for 26 miles, whoo, that's not worth it. So, enduring running means losing encumbering weight. But encumbering weight's different than entangling sin. That's why I visualized this was entangling, this is encumbering weight. But, But what is encumbering weight in our lives? This is what has super helped me. Jesus, I think, speaks to the same principle but with a different analogy. He uses the analogy not of a runner but of a farmer. And he says a farmer goes out and he sows seed. And here's what happens to some of the seed that he sows. The seed which fall among the thorns, these are the ones who have heard, and as they go on their way, they are choked. See, choking to the crop of a farmer is like weight to a runner. The the plant is there, it just doesn't ever produce maturity. The opportunity to run is there, you just can't do it with endurance. What's happening? Well, In this situation, it's being choked out. In this situation, it's being weighed down. You with me? You see how the two analogies go together? Jesus more specifically defines what would be weight for us. Worries, riches, and pleasures. So do you connect with the fact that it seems like in your life you carry around a backpack of worries that they feel like weights on you, they wake you up at night, they make it hard to get out in the bed in the morning, they make it just hard to... That you have weights that you would go, man, I'm I'm just always kind of worrying. For example, what are these? Well, the worry of this in recent weeks. Seriously. The worry of politics was undermining many people in their relationship with Christ. Not that we shouldn't be engaged. It's that we get engaged and then we get emotionally attached to what has to happen i think jesus would have participated i just don't think he would have put his hope in it so listen folks it's not that we should disregard it this is this can become a weight of worry that we carry some of you recognize i got to put I, this is Making me worry too much. But we have other weights. Some of us have the weight of finances. This wakes you up. This has you concerned. Kids getting older. What am I going to do? How am I going to pay for everything? What What about my finances? This is a weight that some of you are carrying around. There's other weights. This is the way yeah, now you're getting a feel for TJ. <laughs> Some of you carrying this weight, about your health. Here's the iron, as I've talked about this this morning, I realize if this is the weight you're carrying, actually, once you carry this weight, it gets a lot bigger, more than I could probably lift up. But the concern of what the future might hold is a weight that we carry. This way, your kids, their situation where they are in their life, can't have any, can't stop having them. This is a, a weight that we carry. Maybe our biggest weight. Hmm. Our job, where you spend most of your week. Am I going to have it this year? Next year? Are they going to get rid of me? weight you carry and it's heavy and this is what some of you are trying to run your race with you see what I'm saying you're just running with this and what does the scripture say that we should do this just throw it away what's it say Cast your cares, where? On him, because he cares for you. So who would like to be Jesus right now? <laughs> Shannon's going, uh, you've done crazy stuff to me. Don't do this today. Can, can I throw this on you? No, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> but well, you know what we do? We come home and throw it on our spouse's. We come home and throw it on our kids. We throw it on other people. And then we have more brokenness because they can't, they're trying to carry their weight and we're upset they're not carrying ours. They're, I'm not being silly here. I'm saying this is the life that so many of us live and we wonder why we can't run with endurance. We're tempting to carry things that Jesus said, don't carry it. Do what? Cast it on him. Lay it down. So my wife said, why didn't you take his backpack off? Because I don't think life works that way. I don't think life works that we never have, don't have responsibilities that we carry through life. It's the things that we are told not to worry about that we worry about, the things that we hold on to, but this is a reality of life. Now, choked weighed down, not just with worries, but with riches, you may think, "Well, wow, I guess for the rich people, actually, it really doesn't matter how much money you have. Sometimes riches, or the lack thereof, slow the poor person down as much as the rich person. And sometimes riches slow the rich person down. It's, what are we carrying extra? And then, this is a lot of weight, because this is not an empty cooler either. These are the pleasures. Pleasures. You know, the stuff that fills your garage, stuff that fills my garage, it's it's the stuff that you go, it's just the extras in life. And I can't pick it all up, but go ahead, take it back, sorry, just for a moment. (laughs) It's a lot better because that's not there. We're just trying to run like this, folks. Now, what did I ask? That, That the Lord would help you see yourself in a moment in the text, Do you see yourself? Are you blind? No, no, I've been born again. Are you entangled? No, I'm free. Are you encumbered? He's carrying around all this, and you cannot run. Cast it on Jesus. To just be super clear here. That entangling sin asks, what sin trips me up? But encumbering weight gets to, what extras delay my obedience? See, There were, there's stories literally where Jesus says, come and follow me. And you know what people say? What about this? What about this? And that's what happens to us. We hear the word of God taught and we think, I need to do, oh, but what about? It's this encumbering weight often that delays our responsiveness to Christ and his call. See yourselves where you are in your race. So to run with faith, we look at Jesus. We lay aside relational inhibitors, weight and the sin that so easily entangles, and we listen to the witnesses. That's how the verse started, actually since we have this so surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses. But don't think witnesses, those who are sitting in the stands watching. I don't think we're talking about witnesses who are watchers. They're not observers. Witnesses, what are they? Not witnesses because they see, but witnesses because they Yes, they testify, they speak, they declare. And what were the Hebrews 11 people declaring to us? (laughs) They were declaring things that we need to hear. See, lots of people who run, run with stuff listening to. And I'm always interested. I wonder what they're listening to. Because you could listen to some stuff that would encourage you to run harder and faster and longer. And you could listen to other stuff that would cause you to go, okay, I'm done. Right? It's true physically, it's true spiritually. What we need to hear from the witnesses, if we're going to run with endurance, is this: that here's what we need to hear, that like Paul, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of knowing. Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish so that I may gain Christ. In other words, he's simply saying, hey, this stuff, he was worth putting it down for. That stuff, hey, it's fine, it's good, it's it's not sin unless it's entangling, ruling my life, but it's just extra that when I look back, I go, man, that was garbage compared to, we fall in love with our garbage, and so we need people in our ears going, saying he, he is worth more than that, don't we? Because what's the world constantly telling us? <laughs> this is where it's at. This is what's worth living for. We need witnesses who declare He is worthy. He is worth it. He is greater than all the stuff that we could live for, for all the stuff that we could accumulate, for all the pleasures that we could have. He is worth more than all that. He's greater. What you listen to, Christ's follower, makes a difference in how you run. It does. What you listen to, the truths you listen to, or the lies you listen to, determine how you run. Are you listening and giving ears to those who say, he's worthy, he's worthy? That's what Abel was saying, he was worthy. Noah, he is worthy. Abraham, he is worth it. Daniel, he is worth it. David, he is worth it. Shadrach, Meshach, Gideon, he's worth it. And Paul says to the Romans, he who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us all, how will he not also with him Freely give us all things. In other words, he graciously gave his his son so that our blinders would be taken off. If we can trust him to be our savior, we can trust him to do everything and only that which is for our good. How would he give us Jesus and then shrink back from anything else? How, How would I say, hey, To my kids, which they're not going to. But hey, you each get a million dollars. But no, I can't buy you a Coke. That doesn't make any sense. But sometimes we think, well, God has given us Jesus, but I think he's not working for good in my life. How could the one who gave you Jesus not be committed to working for good in all of your life? He is worthy and trustworthy. I hope you see the difference there. Worthy, (laughs) elevated over all things, trustworthy, reliable. So have you seen yourself this morning? You know who you are, where you are right now in your race? Not where you should be, not where you think you should be, where you really are. because this is our story now. Let us run. Is your blinder off? Entangled? You know if you are, I'll stay there. Encumbered? What are you listening to? See, whatever the Lord is saying to you, because I think he's speaking to you personally. You know where you are in this journey. Whatever the Lord is saying to you, I want you to bow with me. If you would, Spell with me. You can put your stuff away because we're going to take an opportunity to declare truth in a moment. just want you to bow and respond to the Lord. you recognize you have just trying to be in better, but you've not been born again, would you cry out to him now, Lord, I see my sin, and I trust you to be my Savior. Would you extend your grace to me that I would be born again? If you know the name of the rope, and I know you know it, that entangles you, Would you be willing to declare it to him right now? Confess it to him. Acknowledge it. Seek forgiveness. If you've been accumulating weight, he put in his finger on something that you, you would acknowledge Lord need to lay it down lay it aside and I hope that you are hearing this morning would you agree with he is worthy if so just tell him there in the quietness of your seat Jesus I, I believe you are worthy of my life my kids, my future, my dreams. You are worthy because you're trustworthy. Lord, may we be responsive to you, saying yes to you, that we would run in the power of the Spirit to the praise of your glory in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand together and we have an opportunity to learn a new song Matt has written really almost straight out of this text. This is a joyful song that we would run as God has made us to run.
1: our souls let us hold to the one who won't let go let us go with these chains undone let us run run to the one who stowed the fire inside our hearts to the one who commands the sun and stars to the sun whose kingdom has come let us run
0: that's a pretty awesome song, isn't it? Yeah. And uh, so encouraging straight out of the text that that would ring in our hearts, that we're going to run as ones who have been redeemed with Christ as our full supply. So tonight we have a, at six o'clock, we have a praise night. And what do we do at praise nights? No, we don't praise. We declare what? He is worthy. Really, that's Yes, we praise. We are lifting up so we have a lot of opportunities to hear a lot of things these days. We're coming together to declare to one another. So let's really pack this place as witnesses. He's worthy and trustworthy. And then next Sunday, uh, the day, Sunday after Thanksgiving, the whole way through Sunday, Christmas Day, we're going to spend every Sunday looking at the person, Jesus Christ of Christmas. Lots of things to distract us away from the person of Jesus. So every Sunday, we're going to be looking to Jesus, fixing our eyes on Jesus, our hope. Jesus, our life. Jesus, our promise. That's going to be a great time for us, looking to Jesus. So I hope you'll be with us next Sunday. Don't eat too much turkey. You won't run well. All right. God bless.